The nail in the coffin! Welcome to The Nail. I'm Tom Valentino. Trev is off on assignment, but uh, there have been a lot of sports media headlines that have caught my attention over the past couple of weeks that I wanted to talk about. So I went and tracked down someone who is uh, probably as much of a sports media junkie as I am, our old friend Mark Mazaros. Mez, happy Saturday morning to you. Uh, same to you, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Yeah. So Let's start with this, uh, because it's uh, certainly uh, relevant uh, for the sports media consumption that you and I do. YouTube TV and Sinclair have been involved in a big battle here over the last couple of weeks, and uh, it has put our ability to watch Indians and Cavs games in uh, in immediate peril. And, uh, you know, about a week ago, we heard that they had broken off discussions and that YouTube TV subscribers were going to be uh, losing Fox Sports Ohio and Sports Time Ohio, and um, just as a you know refresher for uh, folks listening, we've talked about this in the past. Those channels still have Fox Sports branding, but they're not actually owned by Fox anymore. Sinclair is this other broadcast company that bought up those stations and a bunch of other ones around the country, and um, that gets us to where we are now. And then there was a little, uh, what would you say, a little. Uh, extension on the talks that was agreed to. And then finally, uh, late this week, we heard that there was a new deal signed, but a whole lot of other caveats involved with it. Um, I know that the majority of the people listening to our show here probably are not YouTube TV subscribers, but I think this is probably a harbinger of, you know, what could be happening with some of the other uh, TV providers um, who a lot of people in this area are subscribed to. Uh, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts have been on this whole YouTube TV versus Sinclair fight that's been going on. Well, it's obviously it's obviously frustrating as a as a consumer whenever you're paying for something and then all of a sudden what you're paying for changes and you understand that it's a business and everything, but you're like, I don't know, it's just hugely frustrating. It gets emotional, you know. Part of the reason you choose a service, or you know, part of the reason I chose YouTube uh, was because it had Cavs and Indians coverage. I'm like, great, that's really important to me. And so the idea of it leaving is very frustrating. I guess my frustration, again, I understand it's a business. I understand both parties want to come to a, an agreement they feel, feel is mutually beneficial. I guess I've been frustrated by how hard it's been to get information um, during all this. Every time I feel like I have a complete handle on it, things change. And um, I don't know whether that's whether I should blame the, the media who have been trying to chase this down or whether uh, you know to blame YouTube TV and Sinclair themselves, maybe some combination of all but. That's, I guess, been where my uh, more reasonable frustrations have been. It's weird to me just how, and to your point about, you know, details of this trickling out, just, you know, the way this has kind of changed. I've always kind of been under the understanding that it's like, here's the product. And now these two sides are going to figure out a price and they're going to go back and forth on what this cost is going to be per uh, subscriber. And instead, what we've seen here is, you know, it kind of goes back to what my uh, my financial advisor tells us, everything's negotiable in the end. And it really kind of seems like it's been that. So like Sinclair owns this group of, I don't know, 20 or so regional sports networks around the country. 
And it was like, okay, they're trying to get a deal done to have all of those regional sports networks on YouTube TV. And then the deal, you know, that gets announced, I think on, what was it, Thursday? It's like, well, it's most of them, but it's not going to include uh, Yes in New York, which has the Yankees or uh, the Fox Sports uh, regional networks out in uh, California that have like the Angels and the Clippers. And then I think like it came out that there were a couple more that might not be included in it. And then I think it was Variety that reported that this deal that was agreed to is like only going to last until the end of baseball season. So we could be like right back at square one, uh, right as the next calf season starting next fall. Um, And then you texted me this morning that, you know, even though Fox Sports Ohio and STO were, you know, good to go, supposedly, we're not totally out of the woods yet. What what did you see today? So the best I can tell is that um, if you're in the what they consider the Cleveland or the Akron-Canton market, you're good. But if you're not and you get those channels, I think you've just as of today lost Sports Time Ohio. It, again, it, it's hard to get it's hard to be confident in the specifics about this, but I was I was doing some searches and I found a, a YouTube TV page where, you know, you, the old thing where you put in the zip code and see what you have. I, this affects my mother who wants to watch every Indians game unlike me. Um, and she has YouTube TV. And so it's important to her. I did her zip code and it seemed like I haven't been able to reach her. I'm trying to talk to her and Hey, can you turn this on? See if you have it. Um, but it seemed like she still had Fox sports, Ohio, but, but sports on Ohio was not listed there. Um, so I'm like now, I guess, 90% sure that she suddenly doesn't have Sports in Ohio, which is by far the, mo- the most important component of this for her. So it's just this continuing thing. And I just, I guess I would have preferred like a couple of days ago, like, okay, we've got our new deal. Put in your zip code. You'll see exactly what you have instead of this like, oh, we'll notify you if you're affected. It's not been great. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's YouTube that's going up against Sinclair this time. But uh, Sinclair had kind of been the common denominator in a lot of battles over these channels recently. I know that Dish lost all the Sinclair regionals, and I think Sling doesn't have them anymore. Fubo TV, is that how you pronounce that? I don't even I, know. I believe, yeah, I believe they lost them also. And I think there's even like one other uh, TV provider that's uh, also at odds with Sinclair right now. And I just, I kind of wonder... You know, I mean, you're probably going to see Spectrum's deal with them come up sooner than later. And that would have obviously affect a lot of people in this area. And uh, I guess DirecTV is probably the other big one. But as of right now, uh, Hulu with live TV and I think uh, one of AT&T's streaming services, they've got like a few different products out right now. Those are like the only, uh, you know, cord cutter options available that we're going to be able to get these channels. And um, I just, I kind of wonder like how many times Sinclair can keep playing hardball and keep getting away with it. And, you know, before there's going to be like a a reckoning here, because I know that, you know, they also own that new regional sports network in Chicago that the Cubs are launching it. I think they're calling it marquee or something like that. And that right. might end up being like the branding that all the uh, other regional networks eventually get when they finally dump the Fox name. But uh, you know, that marquee channel in Chicago is having a, a bunch of issues with trying to get picked up by providers there. And, you know, um, I, I can't imagine that, uh, 
you know, not making the Cubs available to a ton of people in Chicago is a good business plan. Oh, that city will burn. It's such an interesting game of chicken, isn't it? I mean, you understand Sinclair Sinclair thinks we have this really valuable thing. Live sports is this thing that still drives people to their TV to watch something live and sit through the commercials and all that. So you get it. But if they don't reach an agreement with provider X, they don't get money from that. So it's, I don't know. And then you you think of just to make it strictly YouTube's uh, from their side, you know, YouTube is obviously, if you don't know, owned by Google, which has pretty deep pockets. And I feel like, you know, when you decide, okay, I'm going to cut the cord, I'm going to get one of these cable substitutes. I think more often than not, people are landing on YouTube TV because for the money they're you know, and certainly in my opinion, I think yours, they're probably the best offering for most people. Um, And it seems like YouTube's trying to play the long game where they, you know, we'll see it in the future. Maybe they raise rates more or whatever, but they're trying to be, but my point is I'm surprised that they're almost right now in this phase, not just meeting any price. (laughs) So I wonder like how much is Sinclair offering offering where Google's like, no, we're not doing that. Right. Right. It, 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 they must be driving a hard bargain because, again, it's it's a lot of other providers that have decided that it was worth walking away for. So uh, yeah, that'll sure. be something interesting to, to keep an eye on. And uh, hopefully we're not doing this dance again because, I don't know, I'm not in a real hurry to have to switch providers over this. But I also don't really want to lose uh, access to Indians and Cavs games because that's probably 90 percent of my uh, TV watching at this point. So. Um, I don't know. It's a never-ending fight. It really um, is. Speaking of uh, a, a game of chicken, uh, how about the deal that uh, CBS just gave Tony Romo to stay on as its uh, lead NFL analyst? $17 million a year, I think. I, I saw what the number was over uh, like 10 years. There's an option for him to to get out of that deal if uh, CBS loses the NFL. I think the next round of TV contracts with the league is coming up in uh, about two or three years. So right. obviously CBS would have no interest in paying Tony Romo $17 million a year if they have no NFL games to broadcast. Um, so that makes sense. But the uh, reason he was uh, obviously able to command that is he's been wildly popular since he's taken that job a few years ago. And, you know, we've heard all these rumblings that ESPN wanted to, uh, make him a godfather offer of their own to put him on Monday night football. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw this deal come together? I mean, again, you know, without knowing their books and knowing their finances, you think like, well, that seems like a lot of money, but he, he is the best going. I mean, so you, I, I think, you know, how I felt about their old lead analyst, um, <laughs> Phil Sims, not exactly my favorite. And the, the, I, I can't, I can't quantify the upgrade. I think Tony Gromo is from Phil Sims, but, but that's, you know, and I'm stealing this joke from somebody I heard on ESPN yesterday, or I was probably on the Levitard show, which is, you know, I consume a lot, you know, do you think John, it makes the Raiders deal with John Gruden look not so good. You know, maybe stay in the booth, buddy. Right. I mean, 10 million a year to coach and Romo's getting 17 million for a much easier gig. Uh, more, it's amazing, but I, you know, I certainly will. If I know Romo's doing a game I'm interested in, it, it certainly makes it at least a little more appealing to me. Yes, I'm 100% with you there. As an aside, I think I sent you the link to this. During the week leading up to the Super Bowl, there was, I think the Ringer put out uh, a video interview with Phil Sims, and he was hilarious. And he was roasting the guy that was, I think it was Kevin Clark, maybe, who yeah. was the, the host. And I'm like, who is this guy? And why was he not in the booth in at CBS 
calling games for like the last 15 years. This guy's hilarious. But uh, it was it was shocking to me to see what a 180 he was from uh, what we got uh, when he was their lead uh, color commentator. Yeah, well, that still didn't show that he could in real time break down a football game, which is what I thought he was for a very successful NFL quarterback. I thought he was very bad. (laughs) Yeah, um, but this was something that you and I had started discussing before we uh, hit the, uh, the old record button here. How much do you actually care? about who's calling these games when you're watching. So I certainly care about it. And I know you, I know you care about it. What I guess I can't decide, uh, and I know me better than anyone knows me, but I don't know how much I would, how much I do either turn on a game because of an announcer, stay with the game. I otherwise would turn off because of an announcer. So it's hard to quantify, but I definitely do care about the announcer. It's not just anybody, but I don't know what that would mean in real dollars to an advertiser, even with myself. You know, I, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, you see these numbers being thrown around and, you know, there's uh, conventional wisdom would say that, you know, the league probably doesn't care that much as long as somebody isn't actively harming the product. Uh, I kind of don't necessarily agree with that. And I think there's a real, uh, you know, I, I think the fact that networks are showing such a willingness to, you know, break the bank to sign the guys that, you know, have the best reputations. You know, it's, it, it was obviously it started, you know, Romo was the first domino that fell here, but, you know, already we're hearing that ESPN wants Peyton Manning instead, and they might offer him an even bigger deal. And, you know, then the other fun wrinkle that just came out, I think it was yesterday that, uh, to, you know, grease the skids even more for that. They're going to try to swing a trade. Uh, to get Al Michaels to, you know, back over to, you know, ESPN and uh, to come back from, you know, he's been on NBC for the last 15 years. And uh, that would be fun just because, you know, the whole reason he ended up on NBC in the first place was there was a deal that was agreed that traded him over there in exchange for like rights to, what was it? Oswald the rabbit, uh, a cartoon character. I have no idea. It was yeah, it was this really bizarre. He got traded for a, the rights to a cartoon character, and yeah, you know, the the whole thing with that. I I think if I remember from when I read Al Michaels' book was that he had agreed initially to stay on Monday Night Football when it was going over to ABC or when it was going from ABC to ESPN, but then he found out John Madden wasn't staying with him. He was going to NBC. The producer that he's worked with forever was going to NBC and he was basically going to get stuck working a much worse slate of games with a bunch of people that he had no relationship with. And he's like, screw this. I want to go back and keep doing the best game of the week. So um, I, I guess the one thing about that whole story that I thought was really odd was the way it was put out there. There was no talk of like what, NBC would want in return and what ESPN would be willing to offer in return other than like, Hey, they want to make a trade. Well, the other thing with that is like, who's to say NBC like would even be amenable to that and wouldn't just hang up the phone. I, 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 they're almost reporting. Like, I think it was Andrew Marchand of uh, was at the New York post or one of the papers in New York, just put this out there like, yeah, I mean, hey, there's there's trade talks going on like like it was, uh, you know, a player trade or something like that. And I'm like, 
that's not the way these things work. Like I, I, there's more to the story here. I don't really, I'd be curious to see if this, I don't think this is actually going to happen. Do you? No. I mean, what do you give him? Joe Tessitore in a first? I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I guess to me, my guess would be it's a, like, okay, you want to get Peyton Manning all. There's probably a number Peyton Manning will uh, take to to do that job. I guess I'd be, I guess my my guess would be next year we have like Joe Tessitore and Peyton Manning. But um, but then I also think like, eh, you know, if this is out there, there might be something to it, and you know, we don't know what what they would want in return. And I do think, um, uh, oh, who's the who's like the second chair analyst on NBC? I'm just trying to Mike Tirico. Like, I, I think he's pretty good. He could slide in and you wouldn't lose a ton. So I, I could see it if there is something ABC, Disney, ESPN has that NBC wants. I could see it. Yeah, I mean, Mike Tirico basically signed with NBC with the understanding that whenever Al Michaels decides to retire, he gets that job. And they've given him a bunch of other stuff to do in the meantime. He calls, I think, Notre Dame games, uh, hosts the Olympics, does some stuff with uh, NBC golf and uh, a few other properties. And I think it doesn't he do like the studio or whatever during football, but mm, uh, not sure. Yeah. He, they're basically keeping him busy, but I think the long-term plan was he's always going to be the next Sunday night football guy. So I guess, you know, from that perspective, if NBC decided, you know, Hey, we feel good about our, you know, next in line. If Al Michaels really wants to, you know, go back to ESPN for some reason, which I don't really understand why he would, um, you know, they're set up, but, uh, you know, just kind of getting back to like, you know, how, the importance of having a good broadcast crew, you know, the, this next round of TV contracts is coming up. And one thing that I've heard a lot is that ESPN wants to get the Super Bowl, and they, you know, they want better games. I think, you know, a few different things have happened over the last few years that has really knocked Monday night football down a peg, um, you know, losing Mike Tirico and then Gruden. And you just see the different announcer combinations that they've tried since then. None of them have worked. Um, the quality of games that they've gotten over the last few years has been noticeably worse. And I think part of that, that first year that they really kind of uh, got knocked down a peg there. I think that was when they were kind of doing some investigative work with uh, PBS on uh, concussions and uh, some other uh, touchy issues that the NFL didn't really appreciate. And the NFL kind of was like, all right, well, you know, you want to you know start airing our dirty laundry. Well, here's, here's the slate you're going to get. And then the other thing was right around the same time we saw uh, Thursday night football become like a big deal the NFL really wanted to make Thursday night football a thing. So they loaded up that slate with a bunch of really good games. And I think that came at Monday night football's expense. So now you're ESPN, you've got a worse slate of games. You haven't found any good announcers. You're clearly in the, uh, you know, what third or fourth best, best game of the week uh, getting stuffed over on Monday nights. Um, and now you want to come in and, uh, you know, get in on the Super Bowl rotation and, and raise your profile. Uh, you know, I think that it seems pretty clear that for them to show that, hey, we're serious about this. I think that's a big reason why they're making such an effort to try to upgrade the booth now. Yeah, that make that certainly makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you ESPN, you, you need those Monday night matchups to be to be good because, you know, the Thursday night game sort of has the few days have passed and you're kind of ready for some football Monday, you know, you've maybe watched it all day Sunday and you're like, oh, I don't need to watch. 
I always want to go Jags Titans as the jokes. Now the Titans are watchable. So I don't know, but fill in the right teams. Right. Yeah. And you know, the other thing with this that I didn't even bring up yet that, um, you know, one of the other things that you know, ESPN is talking about doing is putting games, some of the Monday night games, if not all of them on ABC as well, which to me just is like, it's really kind of bizarre because I feel like it wasn't that long ago that the big thing that all these networks were doing was trying to put as many of their big properties that they, as they could on the cable, like, you know, ESPN, ABC, they're all owned by Disney and you see like all of the major college football games. Now the college football playoff, all the top bowl games, the new year six, they all are on ESPN and most of the NBA playoffs through the conference finals are on cable, whether it's, you know, one of the conference finals on Turner and the other one on ESPN. Um, I'm trying to think like some of the other, uh, you know, they've moved as many things to cable as they could because the idea is you can charge more to the providers to, you know, per subscriber if those channels have a lot more in-demand content. And now I feel like all of a sudden we're seeing things go the other way where it's like we got to make the, you know, the network primetime hours as profitable as possible so it's like now they're talking about moving monday night football back to abc you see fox just spent a billion dollars to get uh wwe smackdown for two hours on friday nights for five years um do you know i I, you kind of are more plugged into the tv industry than i am like when did that you know switch happen and why so i i can't give you a firm answer but my, my speculation has something to do with uh, you know, there's obviously all these streaming uh, services offering, you know, fictional shows and things like that. There's Netflix, there's there, there's Hulu, there's now Apple has one. And, and I, I know I'm forgetting like seven. Right. Um, and I just wonder if the broadcast networks aren't. We've got a reason that we need. We have to have a reason for people to keep valuing these traditional uh, traditional networks. And we need out, you know, I'm sure they promo their other shows like crazy on SmackDown during you know monday night football and i think it's as someone like me who continues to watch more and more netflix and more and more uh, prime as when i was forgetting amazon prime um it's sort of easy to forget this whole slate of network shows so that that's my very uneducated uh or, or educated guess but I, I you know i don't know beyond that okay well we'll uh, i think we've probably got at least a year until we find out how the uh the monday night or you know just the nfl tv package in general i know one of the other things that could change is is it uh, direct tv that's got the exclusive rights to the sunday ticket correct i think that's one of those things that might be in play whether it's uh you know the 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 one theory is that that could go to a streaming service which would be kind of interesting i think um but direct tv i guess in this case would lose exclusivity um, it'd be really nice if if uh, YouTube got uh, the Red Zone channel. That's one thing that I really miss having on Sundays. Yeah, I mean, as you may know, I piled on the, whatever sling package lets you add on the Red Zone on top of YouTube TV because I just thought, well, I'm still spending less than I was on traditional cable, but it, wow. it's it's a it's a lot to do. <laughs> but I wonder how far we are. You know, the NFL has an app. You turn on your Apple TV, and there's the NFL app. And I just wonder how long it is before they feel like they can just cut out the middleman and make it worth their while to take all the subscriptions directly themselves. Maybe that's a long way away. There's probably something I don't understand about uh, doing that, but it just seems like it's sitting right there for them. That's coming. 
I don't think it would be in this next round of right. contracts, but I would bet on them experimenting a bit more. We've seen a little bit of that already. They you know, streamed some games on, what is that, Yahoo. They they did a, a, a test run with, I know they've got like a deal with Amazon to have like an alternate broadcast for Thursday night football now. Uh, there, there have been some other, you know, dipping of the toe in the water, so to speak. But uh, I, I don't think you can make the leap to make that your primary vehicle for delivering games yet. Like, I just can't imagine my parents, for example, uh, you know, going through Amazon to watch the Indians or something like that. No, but, but even, that, even that's still working with a partner. I'm surprised, you know, again, they have an app themselves. Oh, you, so you mean like their own, keep it all in-house. Right. Why don't they offer the red zone directly through the NFL app or, or one game a week or whatever? I'm surprised they haven't dipped their toe into that because, again, maybe there's something I don't understand. To me, that's just much more profit. Um, I don't know. I, I got to think something like that is coming at some point. But. Yeah. Well, it's weird, actually. You know, WWE has their own network. And that's, I think, six years old now. And the big draw for that was they moved all of their pay-per-views off of the, you know, traditional pay-per-view providers. And instead of paying 60 bucks for one pay-per-view per month, now you pay nine ninety nine a month and get the pay-per-view and this whole library of on-demand content, uh, among other things. And... You know, so I think it's basically exactly what you're saying. It's an in-house production cutting out the middleman. But uh, the latest rumor with them is that they're talking about moving their biggest pay-per-views to like ESPN Plus or, uh, you know, uh, NBC's new streaming service, Peacock, or one of these other things so that they can, you know, I don't know how that would possibly work. Like once you let the horse out of the barn and set the expectation that paying nine ninety nine a month you're going to get all of those shows, how you're going to convince somebody a to keep paying nine 99 a month and not get the most important shows. And on top of that, have to like go pay some other provider, like the old pay-per-view price. It It's baffling to me, but that might be yeah. a discussion for another day. <laughs> you always got to watch them. They're always looking to, uh, <laughs> what was Vader's uh, line? Like I have changed the terms of the deal, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, All right. One other sports uh, media area I wanted to get into was uh, NBA and NBA broadcasters. And, you know, I just, I I, I will admit that with the Cavs not being like a top team and not really having as many national TV games anymore, I don't watch as many national broadcasts, but the one thing that when I do, watch uh, that jumps out at me and I know I'm not alone on this is um, the decided uh, for lack of a better word mediocrity in national NBA TV uh, broadcasting crews and it shocks me that you know we're, we're in this position do you know would you take a guess right now who is called play-by-play the most NBA finals in league history it's like the national TV guy uh, I guess I'll go with Mike Breen, but I don't know if yeah. that's correct. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, he's fine, but like, it's just kind of shocking to me that like, if it, I mean, and I think like the large reason why, I mean, he's become firmly entrenched and I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. 
you know, a lot of there's a lot of talk about, you know, analysts, and we'll get into that in a minute, but just right off the top of my head, I can't possibly imagine anybody else calling an NBA finals right now. I feel like the drop off after him, I mean, you look at like ESPN's roster, especially since Tarico went over to NBC. I mean, Mark Jones, Ryan Rucco. Right. <laughs> really? Like that's that's your plan B. Um, I mean, I can't name any more guys uh, to help right. out there. It, yeah, it, it just it that that shocks me. And then you look at like the Turner side. I mean, Marv Albert is in his late seventies. I love Marv Albert. He's one of my favorite announcers ever. But I'd be lying if I said he was still at the top of his game. Um, and Kevin Harlan has been basically like the number two guy there forever, probably like losing his mind, waiting to get the bump up to the top spot. But you would uh, think. what's ahead? You would think, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I kind of wonder, like, when are we ever going to see like another like definitive NBA voice, and who it would be, and like where they would even come from? Because like, there's a path right now. I don't see it. No, I'm sure somebody will come out of the woodwork. But I, you know, I hadn't thought about this until you you mentioned it to me. And you're 100 right. There's just there's no one that really moves the needle other than maybe Breen, who, who I do like. Yeah, he's fine. The, the biggest thing that he has working against him right now are the two clowns that are in the booth with him, uh, Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. I, I, it baffles me that those guys have stayed there as long as they have, and they have. And ESPN hasn't tried to like move anybody else in and do a little bit of mixing and matching. Um, and you know, on the Turner side as well, since Steve Kerr went back into coaching, I thought he was an awesome broadcaster and a great analyst and when he would you know do the cameo on March Madness uh once Turner got involved with that it was super fun listening to him like he called the uh when OU was in the Sweet 16 it was him and Marv Albert calling that game it was incredible um but like since then uh, you know Chris Weber I don't think is very good Reggie Miller I don't know anybody that likes Reggie Miller that isn't signing his paycheck at Turner um and it just if for a league that I think the NBA is far and away the best at marketing its individual players and bringing out personalities and having really interesting characters in the league. I there, there have been enough guys that have retired now. I'm shocked that nobody has kind of emerged in like as a next generation guy. You know, be basically be like the NBA equivalent to Tony Romo. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what you know what some of these guys when they retire will do, but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm sure LeBron would make a fantastic uh, color man in a few years, but it's hard to see that's how he's going to use his energy and, and time. Yeah. I mean, like Richard Jefferson, you know, we like Richard Jefferson. He was super fun to have on the Cavs for a couple of years. I think he's getting good reviews and some of the you know work that he's doing. I think he's calling some Nets games and I think he's done some stuff with, is it ESPN or NBA TV? I'm not even <laughs> sure, but um, you know, I don't think he has like the cachet of somebody, you know, I mean, like you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody with like longtime quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, if I want to keep going back to the Romo comparison, Uh, but you know, I, I don't know that Richard Jefferson has enough of a profile. And beyond that, I think like Dwayne Wade's done a little bit of studio work maybe, but um, yeah. NBA, National broadcast, I feel like very badly need a 
a shakeup because like the, you know, I, I just called them clowns a minute ago, but my biggest gripe with Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy is just how negative they are. And like, I don't need to listen to three hours of complaining about officiating and over dissecting every single call. And, you know, it's like, I understand you're not there to be a PR guy, but if you're miserable watching this, why should I be excited to listen to you? No, I used to like, I used to like Van Gundy a lot, but once you realize that like every ref drives him nuts and every coach is a genius, right? uh, I I just find little use to that. I mean, I I understand not wanting to uh, insult the, people who are or used to be your peers, but it's kind of your job to be fair and balanced. And I, I just never hear them criticize the coach's move and it's, it's just not fair to the viewer. Yeah. The, the fraternity is very tightly knit there. My Lord. <laughs> I just, I think with very few exceptions, it feels like there is a benefit to having someone in that position who has recently coached or played or has a a more I feel like the longer that you're in the broadcast booth the further removed you are from actually being an active participant in the games and I feel like there is a benefit to having somebody who is more recently connected and those two guys right now I mean they've been doing these games with Mike Breen for I think that's been like the lead ABC and ESPN crew for 12 years and I feel like once you get past the about five or six years, it would be good to get somebody, you know, new who's more recently removed. And I, they're, I they're not that. Saying. I hear what you're saying. ESPN, sign John Beeline right now. <laughs> He's available. <laughs> he is available. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, um, well, here, just we got a couple minutes left. Let's uh, let, let's bring this full circle and get back to talking local broadcasting and segue out from uh, national NBA broadcasting. The uh, the Cavs this year, we've had, uh, you know, it, it, John Michael in a tough spot, taking over uh, under you know some very tough circumstances with the passing of Fred McLeod, and he's still working with Austin Carr, and we've seen him. You know, also they've had. Uh, Brad Doherty on for some games this year and, and, you know, some other guests in the booth. What have you thought about Cavs broadcast this year? I, I think they've been better. You know, when John Michael first got the radio gig, I wasn't a fan and I don't know how much of it is. He was new and how much of it to be honest was just, he wasn't Joe Tate and like, you know, that's a hard act to follow, but um, I, I think he's been, you know, relatively grading on a curve. Terrific. I think it's kind of added some new life. I think I like the way he, uh, you know, maybe he brings a little bit of that radio man's mentality where maybe he talks more than your typical uh, play-by-play man on TV, but I, I like it. Um, and this 50th anniversary thing they have going on where they've had kind of a somewhat steady uh, parade of, of guests. Uh, you know, we've talked about it. I've really enjoyed the Brad Doherty uh, three-man booth with John Michael and Austin Carr. I think those broadcasts really take a step up. And I think I think Doherty even helps Carr be better. But I think Doherty has some real insight and some real enthusiasm. You know, I like when announcers have what what feels like genuine enthusiasm for what they're watching. You know, they're sort of it can be fake, but I, to me, Doherty sounds very genuine. And he gets excited when the Cavs are playing well, and I, I really enjoy it. All right, the one thing I would say with regards to the Cavs broadcast, I've liked them a lot for a lot of the same reasons that you have this year. Um, 
one thing I've noticed in some of the online uh, conversation during some of these games is there have been a couple of moments with the Cavs this year where, you know, they, they had the game where they came back from, I think, like 16 down last month to win. And, you know, everybody's going crazy. And, you know, some people are kind of lamenting, man, it would be nice to have Fred McLeod and the energy that he brought to those broadcasts over the years. And we're not getting that now. And, I, you know, I, I would say this. Um, I think it largely comes down to what you're looking for in a broadcast and what you're, you know, what, what flavor of ice cream you like the best. And I enjoy, you know, solid play-by-play and X's and O's analysis. And I, I liked hearing Fred and AC, you know, and, and they're, you know, obviously those guys liked each other a lot and liked working together and their, their chemistry was awesome. But um, they had a, a, a kind of a, a shtick and catchphrases and you know it was very clearly their style of broadcast and and their distinct you know way of presenting things and you know I don't think we have that right now and you know because you've got two guys that aren't really as familiar working together and um I think that's okay I I like listening to these guys not really rely on catchphrases as much and getting Brad Doherty in the booth is kind of like a, a new, you know, bringing a new perspective to things. Uh, it's, it, it's been enjoyable to me. I, I like it. And I think John Michael's doing a good job, you know, and you know, people that are you know lamenting, not having Fred around, I get that. Um, but I also remember that like the first two years or so that he was doing, uh, Cavs games, you know, there were, were just as many people saying like, oh man, I wish we still had Michael Ray guy around. So, you know, these things, I guess uh, it's all cyclical. For sure. <laughs> um, all right. Well, any other uh, sports media thoughts on your mind? No, I think that about covers it. Good deal. Well, Mess, thanks for uh, covering out some time on a Saturday. I, uh, I appreciate it. This was fun. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me, sir. All right. As always, you can listen to The Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. You can stream us on your computer on waitingfornextyear.com. Keep your ear out. We should uh, hopefully be uh, putting together uh, some more episodes here a little bit more frequently. I know we got the MAC tournament coming to Cleveland uh, this coming week. And uh, March Madness. Um, is uh, going to be at uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse the week after. So we got lots of college basketball to talk about and uh, the Indians uh, coming up sooner uh, than uh, typical uh, with uh, opening day uh, just a few weeks away here in, in March. So uh, some good stuff. Things are going to be picking up here soon. Uh, thanks again to Mark Bizarros. I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin. We'll talk to you again soon. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, 
toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) No.